Hi, I'm Arlen Walker, and I am live from Pelham's Wasteland, and today I am going to talk about um, a, a sort of interesting experiment that I did. This will be the first of probably two or three parts on this kind of experiment, maybe even more, depending. Um, basically, trying to work out um, how to do sword and sorcery with different rules. And specifically what I did was I, I proposed a game to some players on the Dungeon Musings Discord and basically said, hey, what if we did sword and sorcery using Pathfinder 2 rules? And I'll build all the characters to make sure that they feel like I want them to feel and, and set it up right and get it, you know, essentially how I want it. And then we'll play through at least an adventure and maybe for a longer campaign and, and see how it goes. So uh, this episode is about how it went. So the first kind of thing, uh, I will talk a little bit about what I was excited about with Pathfinder 2 in terms of sword and sorcery. And there were a couple things there. Um, one thing, the big thing for me is that I felt like there was a better balance in terms of... Um, non-magical abilities being useful for low to mid-level characters and less kind of at will not not even necessarily less at will but but um that rather than some games it felt like you didn't necessarily need magical characters and that's one thing that i think in sword and sorcery not that no sword and sorcery story has magical protagonists but they're generally pretty rare and i tend to think of more in the the conan line than anything else and obviously conan abhors magic and the all the magicians are pretty much evil and all that sort of stuff and anyway um so there was some stuff like, for instance, medicine checks. Medicine checks was a big draw for to me for the system, which medicine check is basically use your medicine skill to roll against DC 15 and you heal 2d8 hit points. You can only do that once per hour, but it means that you can heal up pretty quickly and a fair bit of damage, especially if you didn't take a whole lot of damage in a fight, you can heal it up using medicine rather than using a health potion or using a cleric spell or something like that. And hypothetically, pretty much any player character could be good at medicine. Um, and, and so therefore I was sort of like, okay, so this is one of the things that feels very sword and sorcery to me is that you have medicine checks rather than um, magical healing, right? Magic magic is already limited in sword and sorcerer worlds, and then the idea is that magical healing is extremely limited. Um, magic doesn't really heal people in sword and sorcery. It mostly kind of harms them in different ways. Anyway, and so then there was a couple other things. One of the ways, one of the things is the way that crit rules worked. And I had this idea that, okay, well, if the players have a pretty big bonus to hit compared to an enemy with a an, an AC. So, for instance, if a player's bonus to hit is 
plus 10 and the enemy has an AC of 17, then the player crits on a 27 or higher, which is rolling a 17, 18, 19, or 20, rather than just rolling on a 20. And if the... So what I did was I basically constructed, okay, so what if you had enemies who had basically enough hit points to survive two hits, two normal hits or or one crit, that that's about the range of their hit points. And you have this relatively consistent critically hitting thing that is more common than it would otherwise be. Um, and so the result was hopefully, and I think it kind of worked out all right, was that um, characters would feel much more like there was the sort of back and forth clash of blades with, you know, small strikes, minor hits, and then one big, you know, finishing hit that was a lot more, that wasn't just fishing for 20s, right? Fishing for 20s kind of annoys me. Um, and so the idea is, okay, rather than for fishing for 20s, what it is is fishing for 17 through 20, which is, a, what is that, a 20% chance of a crit? So, yeah, that's that's pretty good. I thought that was... Um, I thought that worked pretty well. So what we did, we did an adventure set in the world of Zoth, and I created six characters, four of which got claimed by players. There was Musa, who is a, a rogue of the ruffian type, which is basically a strength-based rogue. And then we had um, Sorab, the fighter, a fighter who had multi-classed into rogue. That was one of the conceits that I had was that every character was going to multi-class into rogue so that they could have kind of stealth or thievery style skills um, automatically. And so that they would feel a little more, a little less kind of um, big, the big bashy characters would feel a little less big and bashy and a little bit more kind of sneaky and agile. And the sneaky and agile characters would feel like they sort of belonged in the world in a different way. Um, so Sorab the fighter, and then we had Akar, the alchemist, who was the only sort of magic user. And I sort of debated back and forth about having an alchemist at all. But eventually I decided, you know what, it's, you know, it's going to be cool. And I'll just give him bombs and not let him do make healing potions to heal everybody up regularly. Um, but with just bombs, he becomes basically a high damage area of effect hitter. Um at range, which was a lot of fun. It was very cool to see him in action. Um, Akar, an alchemist who also multiclassed into Rogue. And then finally we had Rashad, the ranger, a ranger um, who multiclassed into Rogue, um, who was our sort of archer character. Anyway, and I think it worked pretty well. The The characters, basically what we did was we started, I started off by describing them in this dungeon, and then I said, okay, how did you get here? And everybody had to describe their character, kind of who their character was and a little bit about them, and then describe how it is that they ended up in the dungeon of this city. And then I said, okay, and so then the guards take you outside, and there's a great big fat merchant, and the merchant is buying slave soldiers, and you guys are slave soldiers now. You'll get your weapons back when you're on the road on the caravan. Um, and 
then so the the situation it was essentially a a kind of uh, a prologue one combat encounter and an epilogue in some ways a sort of three-part structure the the starting structure the start in the dungeons and then getting sold as slave soldiers and then the middle section was an ambush by bandits and they fought off the bandits and then the last section they were sort of on patrol fighting the bandits and they come back and their merchant caravan has been ransacked and and all of the other slave soldiers have been killed. The merchant, it turns out, is still alive and the merchant has this ring. But there's a sandstorm coming and so they got to get ready and they set up for the sandstorm and all get ready. And then we ended with the sandstorm starting up around them and them all kind of huddled together underneath one of the overturned wagons. Um, doing their best to survive the sandstorm. So yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a really um, a really cool session, and I think that the core conceit actually worked pretty well. Um, I think that it did feel pretty sword and sorcery, um, and I wonder. I, I, it sort of made me think about what is it that makes a setting or what is it that makes a session feel sword and sorcery and kind of how much of that is stuff that I did with the mechanics and how much of that is stuff that I did or that the players did just in their descriptions. Um, so, but yeah, I think it, it worked pretty well. I think it was a, a fun session. Um, Everybody seemed to have a good time. I I am realizing that I feel jittery after any session that I run, that I basically can't help but feel kind of nervous about how the session went in the immediate aftermath. And it takes a little while for me to kind of cool my nerves and, and calm down and say, okay, no, that was a that was actually a pretty good session. It just took me a little while to realize it. Um, which definitely happened here. I, in the immediate aftermath, was sort of telling the players about, oh, there's this other stuff that I wanted to do, and I felt like I could have done better with some, and they're all like, no, it was good. And it's, it's nice to feel like, no, it really was good. It, it was a fun session. Um, but yeah, Pathfinder 2 as Swords and Sorcery, it, uh, it worked pretty well. Um, I think that enemies felt appropriately kind of dangerous in numbers, but not particularly dangerous. So that was one of the other conceits that I had was this idea of, okay, in a world with levels, what does sword and sorcery look like? And to me, that means a world with levels. It means that almost everybody is level one or level zero, right? The great majority of humankind is level one or level zero. And it's basically shaped like a very, very, um, shallow pyramid so almost everybody's level zero some people are level one a couple of people are level two there's a handful of level three people which is where the players start out so they start out as essentially the the human elite at level three already without um having to go very far because that to me speaks to sword and sorcery is that's how you get the kind of sword and sorcery adventures is Conan is definitely um, well above the average and Conan in particular, I've been thinking a lot about because of um, another project that I think I'm actually going to talk about after I finish this section on Pathfinder two. Um, but basically um, 
yeah, the idea, and then there would be a handful level four, and there might be, you know, just five or ten level five characters in the entire world, and then maybe one level six or level seven wizard who is the the super bad, super powerful relative to everybody else, right? A level seven wizard in a world where the average enemy he's ever likely to fight is level one or maybe level two is super powerful despite being clothy. And that was kind of an idea that I liked within this sort of concept of, of structuring the world to sell sword and sorcery. Um, so anyway, there was a couple of, yeah, there, there were a number of different things that happened and, and I think it worked pretty well. And I think it was uh, a lot of fun. The question remains, is it the best system for sword and sorcery? And I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that Pathfinder 2 is the best system for sword and sorcery, although it's a really good system. It's definitely really good for what it is, and maybe that'll change when the Game Mastery Guide comes out, because the the Game Mastery Guide may... um, have apparently one of the things in it is rules for tinkering with the math in terms of of magic and magic items and stuff like that and so um there may be rules ways to uh to tinker with it to make it feel even more sword and sorcery um but i don't know i'm not i'm not entirely sure what the best way to do sword and sorcery is i just i like Conan stories and I like sword and sorcery and I want to capture something of that in a lot of the RPGs that I run. And so I'm running a bunch of different things, trying to figure out what's going to be the, the sword and sorcery est of them all. And that leads us to the next section. So I have two kind of upcoming sword and sorcery things going on. Um, and they are both a little bit different. Um, one of them is I have a game of Conan, Conan 2D20 tonight, which I am super excited for. I've got three players for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I use the random adventure generator in the um, Conan Game Master's kit to generate up an adventure and then did some of my own tweaking and tinkering. And I've got a couple of different sort of concepts that I want to explore and a couple of different things that I want to do that I'm really excited about. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And um, I know that that game with one player works really well for sword and sorcery. I think the question is, how is it going to work with multiple players? Is it going to play fast enough? Is it what I want? All of that sort of stuff. Um, and then there's a couple of others, especially ones that I've talked about on the channel before. I've talked about Barbarians of Lemuria, or not on the channel, on the podcast. I've talked about Barbarians of Lemuria before. Barbarians of Lemuria is a great game, super fun. I've talked about Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea, also a great game. Not entirely sure it's what I would use for sword and sorcery adventures, but it's definitely what I would use if I was going to play a D&D retro clone. Um, yeah. Fun, fun games. The additional game is, um, so I was reading a blog on MeWe about Conan and Conan games and sword and sorcery games and how well different games works. And one of the suggestions was to play Conan in Mutants and Masterminds. 
And I had given this a little bit of thought because it turns out that for um, Mutants and Masterminds 2nd Edition, there is a um, a source book called Warriors and Warlocks. And Warriors and Warlocks is about playing kind of sword and sorcery fantasy adventure um, comic style action um, because Mutes and Masterminds is a superhero game, but it's also sort of a comic books game. And so the idea is that this is there. And then this got me thinking about, well, what about third edition Mutants and Masterminds? Partly because the, the, the character sheet, the rollable tables and stuff on a roll 20 are really good for third edition. Third edition Mutants and Masterminds as Sword and Sorcery. And play, the idea is that um, the characters would be level, power level eight or so. So not kind of complete superheroic, not kind of completely superhuman, but definitely well above the the human average and that, you know, when they fight minions, they're going to feel like absolute badasses, just hacking them down one after another. Um, <sighs> yeah. So that's kind of my idea is what about sword and sorcery with mutants and masterminds. And so I've, I've built the characters for the most part. I need to go in and tinker with them a little bit more. Um, I've come up with, I've got an adventure that is based on another Zothian adventure. So I think that what I'm going to do is suggest to the players that as a kind of Halloween special um, playing in costume, for lack of a better term, we're going to take our Zoth adventures and port it over and play Mutants and Masterminds 3rd Edition as Sword and Sorcery, and we're going to see how it goes, because I think it could go pretty well, because there's a lot of stuff that I really like about Mutants and Masterminds. Um, it's pretty complicated, but as I have been diving into the rules more and looking at it, it is not nearly as complicated as I think it can look to an untrained eye. Um, there's some, some clever, cool things going on behind the scenes and in the way the math works and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, I am excited. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about Conan. I'm excited about continuing Pathfinder too. Um, all of that together means that I have got some sword and sorcery stuff to work on. Um, and in particular, I want to read more sword and sorcery too, because I've read a fair bit of it, but there's some kind of lesser known authors that I haven't got a chance to explore a lot. Oh, and last one, I think I have convinced Jonathan, who um, is one of the guys that we play with on the dungeon musings, um, games i think i have convinced him to try blade of the iron throne on saturday and if that's the case then i'll have one more sword and sorcery game and blade of the iron throne is really interesting because i don't know how sword and sorcery it's really gonna feel um because partly well i don't know it the combat is awesome the game is really fascinating to me and I really want to get more playtime with it. And um, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll have to see.
Um, so that's the that's the end of this section. I think it's time for the outro. So that's the outro. I have a couple of call-ins that I want to get to. A couple of call-ins from Colin, Colin Green, um, that I want to get to um, that I think I'm going to do in a, a tomorrow episode of the podcast. Um, aside from that, if you want to hit me up here on Anchor, do so. Arla, it's uh, anchor.fm slash Pelham's Wasteland. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, I'm at Cows from Powis. Um, and I love to talk about these games. Oh, I'm also on a number of different Discord servers, but particularly one of the ones that I hang out on a lot is the Dungeon Musings Discord server, which um, you can find in the description of any of the any of Kevin Dungeon Musings videos. Um, yeah, I I I would love to talk about these games, about my ideas, about your ideas. Um, let me know what you think about using some of these games in ways that they weren't designed um, for or, you know, whatever else you can think of. What what would make it more sword and sorcery to tinker with the rules a bit? Um, I don't know. I'd love to hear from you. All right. I've been Arlen Walker. I have been live from Pelham's Wasteland, and I will see you next time. Take care.